there really does seem to be sort of a misconception that solar is solved. Battery storage and uh, improved grid infrastructure is obviously important, but uh, as they develop, it's only going to fuel the growth of solar even further. Hi, I'm Kaya Taylor, and this is Rewired, a show exploring the future of energy in Australia from Arena, the Australian Renewable Energy Agency. Australians love solar. We're the biggest adopters of rooftop solar in the world. And the key to harnessing as much of that renewable energy as possible comes down to efficiency. That is, how much incoming light can be converted into energy. The higher the efficiency, the more energy generated. One of the companies that's just transformed this equation is SunDrive. Vince Allen is a co-founder of SunDrive, and they just broke the world record for efficiency with their unique solar cell. Most solar cells contain silver because of its unique thermal and electrical properties. However, silver is expensive, and it's a very limited resource. Vince and the team at SunDrive have found a way to make panels that are not only more efficient, but are replacing the silver in a cell with copper, a material that is cheaper and more abundant. If you look at a solar panel, a solar panel is usually made up of 60 or 72 solar cells, and they're the sort of the squares that you see on a panel. And if you look close up at those cells, you'll see a series of lines on the surface. And those lines are made out of silver. And the purpose of those lines is basically to extract the electricity uh, that is generated in the solar cell when light shines on it. And uh, yeah, the technology that we're working on is to replace uh, the silver with, with copper. And there's a, there's a few reasons for that. Uh, the first reason is, so today, 20% of all the world's industrial silver consumption just goes into making solar cells. And with every sort of major forecast or prediction, uh, estimating by the end of this decade that the industry is going to grow at least 5x, uh, obviously that's a very big challenge. And the sort of the second challenge kind of related to silver as well is uh, the current solar cells that are mass produced today are very close to their efficiency limits. So manufacturers today are very aggressively pursuing uh, more efficient solar cell structures. And my co-founder David is actually in China at the moment. And uh, that transition is seem, it seems to be happening much faster than we thought. Um, and the problem with that is these more efficient solar cell structures require even more silver. So on one hand, you've got the industry obviously wanting to grow and the industry needs to grow. Uh, and on the other hand, to get to more efficient cell structures, you need more silver. So sort of the, the thing that's in the middle there, sort of the wedge, is finding a replacement to silver so that you can you can both that the industry can grow but also transition to more efficient solar cell structures. Let's pause for a moment and talk about the word efficiency. So it is something that we hear in the world of solar, especially rooftop solar, as a point of it's almost a selling point for a lack of a better term, right? Is is how efficient they are. So can you explain to us in really simple terms what is efficiency and why is it important? So efficiency for solar cells is really how much of the incoming light energy can be converted into electrical energy. Um, so today, standard solar cells are sort of around sort of the 22 to 23% efficiency. Uh, so that means 22 to 23% of the incoming light energy can be converted into uh, electrical energy. And the reason why uh, efficiency is important, it's, it's important for, for several reasons. In terms of solar PV adoption, the fundamental driving factors, it really comes down to efficiency and cost. 
And the more, from a manufacturing perspective, if you can produce more efficient solar cells for the same manufacturing input, like land and labor and equipment and consumables, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, you can actually, uh, you, you, you can reduce your manufacturing cost per watt of solar that can be manufactured, if that makes sense. Um, so there's a there's an incentive there uh, for the, for the manufacturers, but there's also an incentive on the installation side. So okay. if you can produce more efficient solar cells, that means the panels are also or the modules are also more efficient. Okay. Uh, the more efficient your panels are, the less number of panels you need to get to a certain system size, okay. and the less panels you need, the less wiring, the less mounting. Uh, the less installation, uh, less transportation. So a small efficiency increase can actually have quite a sort of cascading effect in terms of the the final cost. And so where do you think that number can go? We're at 23% at the moment, but what do you think is reasonable? Should we be aiming for 50%, 80%? What's the goal? In terms of the theoretical maximum efficiency that can be achieved out of a silicon solar cell, that is 29%. Obviously, that's purely theoretical. I would say probably the maximum practical efficiency limit is probably around 27%. So in terms of commercial production, there's still uh, still a bit of bit of room to go. But in terms of the uh, the world record uh, cells, which we're also uh, sort of quite proud to say that we uh, that we recently broke 25.54. Basically, that represents we've got 95% of the way there. So it, it gets harder and harder, obviously, as you get closer and closer to the efficiency limits. And that's why as well, sort of the, the small incremental efficiency boosts also become more and more valuable. What becomes hard in that final 5%? Basically, everything needs to be perfect from how the solar cell is designed, manufactured, uh, all the different layers that are involved, the stringent tolerances that are needed are much, much greater. So, so yeah, there's still, in terms of commercial silicon solar cells, there is still uh, a reasonable runway ahead. But sort of to get beyond that 27% practical limit or that 29% theoretical limit uh, really requires what's called multi-junction solar cells. So they're also called tandem solar cells or uh, basically you stack solar cells on top of each other. Yeah, I think to get to that 30% module efficiency, that will require uh, multi-junction solar cells. And um, and yeah, for us, all solar cells need metal. So Mm -hmm. we see there's a lot of applications of our our copper process. SunDrive's copper-based solar cell is a huge technical achievement. Not only is it the most efficient solar cell in the world, it proves that copper-based solar cells are the future, a future that Vince has been working on his whole career. Yeah, so it's it's quite well sort of understood uh, and I think agreed upon in terms of the sort of solar scientific community that that copper is sort of the future. It is a uh, hundred times cheaper per kilo. Uh, it's a thousand times more abundant. There has been companies in the past that have tried to basically develop copper-based solar cells. The company that has probably invested the most out of any company is a company called SunTech. And they pursued a, a copper-based uh, solar cell technology called Pluto um, about a decade ago. And they did have some success, but um, it, it was nothing in, in terms of what they were planning for. It was limited. There were a few technical challenges related to copper. And basically addressing those challenges was the, the basis of my PhD. And it was the founder of SunTech, 
Xi Jinping, who's an Australian uh, scientist and, and businessman, uh, Chinese Australian scientist and businessman, that actually made the first investment in, in SunDrive. I, we met him through my PhD supervisor, the late Professor Stuart Wenham, who was the CTO uh, of SunTech. And so, touching back on the cost element of copper versus silver. Will there be a material impact to the price of solar panels if we can make this transition to being primarily copper panels and not silver? I'm thinking for the end consumer, right? Like in how you know how many years will will the panels in our roof be how much cheaper because they're made out of copper and not silver? I can share with you sort of a little bit what our plans are when we go to market with with a natural product. So we do intend and plan to bring to market the most efficient commercially available solar panel. At a price point that is twenty to thirty percent cheaper than today's most efficient panel,、um, and, and yeah, just to kind of emphasise as well, that's also just by sort of altering one tiny step in the entire value chain. And yeah, that's it's also the 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 process that we focus on is is actually the last step in making a solar cell, and it's the most influential in terms of the final cost and efficiency of an end、mm. module. And so, with you say it's the the final step, and and you were talking before about how you know when you look at a panel, it's the kind of the lines on the panel that are the silver that's kind of capturing everything. You've talked a little bit about silicon cells. Are there going to be any changes? Do you think at the cell level of what the cells are made of that will have an impact on then having the copper in the panel? So our copper process can be applied to、okay. uh, basically any silicon solar cell structure. Obviously, like a big part of it is reducing the material costs, so、uh, reducing the metal costs. But what we've been able to show with our recent efficiency record is we can also increase the efficiency above and beyond what can be achieved、uh, with silver. And for us, obviously, the world record—I、uh, mean, we're very proud to kind of push that technological frontier when it comes to efficiency. But I think what's what's more important and what's more significant for us. Is that yeah? Solar cell efficiency and silver consumption are usually very correlated. So if you if you look at the commercial cells today, and you look at also sort of the last、uh, world records, there's a very strong correlation between silver usage and efficiency. And what our result basically signifies is that we've been able to break that trend. Silver is a critical part of the design of a solar cell, but it's also an important part of a lot of computer components. So why is silver a problem when it comes to solar, but not when it comes to other electronics? I could first probably say that the reason why silver is probably the most problematic for solar, out of any industrial application of silver, is in terms of an application, solar PV has the highest proportional cost of silver compared to any other industrial application of silver. So silver is used in other applications in electronics,、um, things like that, but the cost Portion of the final product, silver only makes up a very small portion of that. But with solar, it's the biggest portion of the final product, and it's also the fastest growing application. Now, when it comes to copper, obviously copper is used extensively for much wider, much larger、uh, industrial applications. So, the industry would need to grow by many, many orders of magnitude to、mm-hmm. even have some kind of dent in influencing. Uh, the the price of copper. SunDrive's larger ambition is to manufacture solar panels here in Australia. 
Arena supported SunDrive with $3 million to help them take their project to the next stage of commercialization. But there's still a lot of work to do to go from creating an individual cell to mass producing this process. So for us, uh, we're certainly kind of focusing on Australia. Mm-hmm. I think the events that have happened in the last sort of 12 to 18 months um, has also made us kind of rethink our business model and our strategy. Obviously, with COVID and supply chain issues and all the net zero sort of target announcements uh, by yeah. other countries, um, there def- definitely does seem to be a, um, a growing trend towards uh, local manufacturing. There's a lot happening in India in terms of setting up local manufacturing. There's a lot happening in the US, a lot happening in mm-hmm. Europe. And we just see, like, if, if Australia is the best at solar PV innovation and got institutions like, like UNSW, then, yeah, why not? Why can't we also uh, participate in this as well? And, and yeah, we also see that as automation uh, is also getting more and more advanced, the closer production costs uh, will get to fundamental manufacturing costs. And they're, they're things like material inputs, electricity, transportation, and the price of panels have actually increased in the last 12 months. Do you think there'll be an increased cost impact by manufacturing locally? Do you think that there is, will it balance out or do you think that producing these panels locally will, will make them more expensive? I think a big factor, it really comes down to automation. So the industry, in terms of the equipment that's available uh, now, land and labour costs are no longer sort of the dominant sort of cost factors. It, it really is sort of coming down to more the fundamental cost factors, the material inputs, the electricity, the transportation. And for us, we, in terms of manufacturing, we want to manufacture the last step in making a solar cell, which is uh, putting the metal on the cell using copper and then turning those cells into uh, into finished panels. So both of those steps kind of only represent the last 25% of the whole manufacturing value chain. So going right to the beginning, there's silicon refining, there's growing ingots, making wafers, then turning them into complete cells and then modules. So we're just focusing on the last step in cell and modules. So that sort of last 25%, which is which is really the most critical in terms of the final cost and the efficiency of the panel. Uh, that other 75% is sort of quite heavily commoditized. And for us as a startup, um, at least initially, we don't think it really makes much sense to also try and compete in that other 75%. And yeah, as long as we can uh, take advantage of automation, we can improve the efficiency further than what's available today. And also we have uh, ways of reducing cost then yeah, we, we think it certainly can be competitive. And, and for us, we are targeting sort of the ultra high end of the, uh, the market. And yeah, we, we do estimate uh, we can bring to market sort of a, a, the most efficient panel that's uh, 20 to 30% cheaper than today's most efficient panel. And will that be to homeowners or will it be to commercial customers? For us, we will be planning to target the uh, sort of more residential rooftop segment. I'm sure you guys may be familiar that uh, rooftop is actually growing faster than uh, than utility or solar farm. Um, and we also do see that with the uptick in battery storage and electric vehicles, and if consumers also want to be less reliant on the grid, they need a very big PV system. And with limited roof space, uh, we do see that the demand for more efficient panels will will also increase over time. And what does automation mean in this instance? Is it robot? Is it robot lines? Like, what, what does automation mean for you? It basically means uh, very little human intervention. So, ten years ago, a lot of the manufacturing costs were dominated by land and labour, 
and also equipment to some extent because the equipment didn't have very high throughput. So you couldn't, with the equipment that was available at the time, you couldn't really make that many panels or that many cells. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it really comes down to obviously sensors and robotics and basically just trying to reduce the amount of human intervention that's required. And and a big part of that as well is obviously uh, it's a term called yield. So having a manufacturing line uh, that has a high yield so you can expect a very high portion of the cells that are made are actually within the certain manufacturing tolerances that you expect. There's a lot of work to do before homeowners will be able to go out and buy one of their panels. But Vince says the plan is to have them commercially available by 2023. So a lot of our development so far has been at the cell level. So scaling our technology from lab size cells to commercial size cells and now being able to, to break a, a new world record efficiency for a commercial size cell So the next phase for us is to scale uh, our technology to module level. So by the end of this year, we plan to to fabricate test modules that can then be used for uh, environmental testing and thermal cycling and things like that. So a standard panel needs to last at least 25 years. Uh, So obviously there's a lot of extensive testing that needs to to occur. So yeah, by the end of this year, uh, we plan to have plan to be able to make modules that can do all of those tests. In terms of the manufacturing, the other focus area that we have at the moment is designing and building our pilot production line. So basically a, a automated a manufacturing line that does our copper process. And we plan to have that sort of up and running uh, by the end of next year. In terms of when we would actually have panels available, uh, it's looking like it'll be sort of the first half of 2023. Obviously, being a pilot scale, it, it is smaller quantities, but it's really just to demonstrate that, yes, we can actually make the most efficient panel available in the market. And it does have the longevity and the performance that's required. And uh, once we can demonstrate that on a small scale pilot line, and then it's it's really just a matter of, of scaling that up to hundreds of megawatts, gigawatts. While Australians love solar, through summer, a lot of our states can experience quite extreme temperatures in the high 30s or low 40s, with surface temperatures even higher. These conditions aren't ideal for generating energy. This is because solar panels contain a lot of silicon components that are their most efficient when kept cool. When it comes to dealing with the harsh Australian environment, Vince says copper actually offers some advantages over traditional silver-based panels. Yeah, so th- this is actually another advantage as well. You, you Generally, the more efficient the solar cell is, the better it generally operates in the field. So for example, the cell that we uh, fabricated to hit the world record efficiency actually has a very low temperature coefficient. So what that means is as the cell heats up, if it's in a panel in the middle of the day in the Australian desert, the efficiency drop is actually much less than other silicon technologies. So, so yeah, as, as a cell heats up, it actually becomes less efficient, but the rate at which that efficiency drops um, is less basically with, with the cell that we, that we recently produced. Um, so there's sort of an advantage in terms of temperature. Uh, generally as well, the more efficient solar cells that are out there, you also find that they degrade less as well over time. So if you're going to put a huge, big solar farm, I mean, there's plenty of them that have been announced or sort of in the works, uh, Sun Cable and uh, the Asian Renewable Energy Hub. And I think Fortescue as well have some pretty big plans. So putting like huge tens of gigawatts, uh, obviously you want to make sure that the panels are producing as much power as, as they can. 
and can survive the Australian landscape. I always laugh when we when we see some of the European advertising for panels, which they just focus on weather events that are so irrelevant for Australia. And I might also point out as well, there's there's one other kind of attribute that's particularly advantageous for, for putting solar in Australia, and that's what's called bifaciality, which is how well can the cell or the panel uh, also absorb uh, light and produce power uh, on the rear side relative to the front side. And with copper, we can improve the efficiency, uh, not just on the front, but also on the rear side of the solar cell. So effectively, this allows us to reach a bifaciality uh, that is higher than any other solar technology. And for Australia, I mean, we're blessed with vast amounts of relatively reflective arid surfaces. Um, so that can also be an advantage when it comes to these big projects and, and big solar installations. Like many startups, Vince and his co-founder David faced many challenges getting the initial investment they needed to get SunDrive off the ground. However, they now have the support of some of Australia's best investors, including the likes of Blackbird and Grok Ventures. It's clear that if SunDrive can pull off manufacturing their panels locally, there is huge market potential for the young company. There really does seem to be sort of a misconception that solar is solved. I mean, battery storage and uh, improved grid infrastructure is obviously important, but uh, as they develop, it's only going to fuel the growth of solar even further. And we're right now at a point where only 1% of the world's uh, energy is supplied by solar. And current technology is at its limits in terms of efficiency, in terms of the materials that are used. So there is there is really an opportunity to kind of be at the forefront of this next kind of hyper growth phase. And, and yeah, I think Australia being the sunniest continent in the world, you know, we should be looking at exporting as much of that resource uh, as possible to as many countries as possible. And, and yeah, I think as well, we have the, the expertise. Uh, there's obviously UNSW and I mean, they invented the today's commercial uh, technology. So I think Australia is really in pole position when it comes to designing and developing what the next generation solar technology is going to be. And, and also to that point, a lot of the top executives in today's leading manufacturers were also trained in Australia as well. We've definitely got that supportive ecosystem that we can take advantage of uh, when it comes to like this, this next phase. And, and another advantage as well, we really have, we're blessed with all the resources that we need in the ground to take advantage. We have the second highest copper reserves in the world, second or third highest nickel reserves, the top three in basically every uh, every category uh, that's needed. So, yeah, and this, and this is all at a time where current technology is at its limits and manufacturing is no longer dominated by uh, labour and land costs. So we really think there's, a, there's definitely an opportunity ahead. Thanks to Vince Allen for joining us for this episode. Rewired is brought to you by ARENA, the Australian Renewable Energy Agency, working to support Australia's energy transition. This episode was hosted by me, Kaya Taylor, with production and scripting from the team at Lawson Media. If you've enjoyed the conversation and want to learn more about the Transformers working to change our energy grid or the projects that ARENA is funding, you can find out more on our website, arena.gov.au. I'll speak to you again soon.